Welcome back to the adventures of Mecha Betty! Mecha Betty is brought to you by my parent vitamin, Caffeine. When you start vibrating, you know it's working. When we last left our heroes, they were landing on what little space was available on the desk of the USS Elbridge. The robotic landing gear housing the Armist as the stairs descended and the door hissed open. Despite Barkley radioed assurance that they were friendly, the crew were not taking any chances with the mysterious flying machine, the Artemis, and the possibility of being a Trojan horse. Kenneth exited first and probably vomited onto the desk, finding himself staring down the barrel of a soldier's rifle. Uh, um, hello? What are you doing here? Um, Barkley brought us here. Barkley's alive? I thought for sure the aliens would have gotten him. Alright, everyone get out. Captain asked us to escort whoever radioed the ship and someone named, uh, Betty. Hearing his name, Barkley exited the Artemis and upon seeing one of their fellow crewmen, the tension dropped. Though their guns still remained fixed on Kenneth and the exit of the ship. Whoa, calm down there, fellas. These people are civilians, not aliens. Now, in just a second, my friend Betty's gonna come out of that ship. Don't shoot her. She's eight feet tall and made of metal. That's just going to piss her off. And then Dr. Bloom chimed in. Yeah, don't pick a fight with a seven-tall robot woman. Where she kick your ass so hard, you'll be begging for a Brit to come save you. Betty cautiously exited the ship, her hulking frame and giant mechanical fists barely making it through the door. The sailors tightened their grip on the weapons. One could be heard swearing loudly as a sailor can do. Sweet fucking mother of Jesus, what the hell is that? Captain didn't say anything about no damn robot. I'm Betty, and if you would all be so kind as to lower your weapons, there are some frightened people in here who don't need any more excitement for today. With a reassuring nod for Barkley, the sailors finally lowered their weapons and allowed the civilians to exit. All the survivors washed up, ate, and were crammed into any available space on the destroyer-class ship. Betty, Kenneth, Ensign Barkley, Dr. Leo, and the not-so-handsome Dr. Bloom met with Captain Yeager. Barkley told a riveting tale of how Betty single-handedly destroyed almost a dozen saucers in the last few hours. Afterwards, Betty explained the Super Factory and the things it could do. And that's why we're here. Barkley told us this would be a better place to come up with a plan. Do you have any ideas, Captain Yeager? I do. And I'm glad you came. If I were a religious man, I would say that this was a damn miracle you came to this exact ship with that device. What do you mean? This ship was slated for an experiment a few months ago. Something that would give us unparalleled air superiority. I don't quite understand it, but basically the Eldridge is supposed to be flying by now, but for some reason it's not working, and with the normal engines cut out, this thing is dead in the water and completely useless. We can't even use the damn guns without a working generator. If you can do all those things, then perhaps you can get this thing working, and we can actually do something. He pauses for a second and looks out over the deck. The gleaming Artemis gave him an idea. I want all of you to go down to the engine room and talk to Engineer O'Connor. He'll get you started. Inside, get a line to Admiral Fairweather. We need to be ready to coordinate with whatever forces we still have. As the gears of the military began to shift into place, Betty and the others found themselves below deck, where crewmen and engineers were busy working non-stop to try and get the Elbridge working. There, among the sparks and roaring, stood a large barrel-chested man. His build reminded Betty of a retired boxer. Powerful, but with a noticeable pouch. Betty got his attention, and despite the fact she was two feet taller and a thousand pounds of titanium armor power, he seemed the more intimidating of the two. Are you the engineer in charge? 
Yes, I am the head engineer. What do you need? Captain Jaeger told me that this ship was meant to fly, and we need it airborne immediately. No, there is no possible way this ship will fly. They gave me a generator that can only produce enough power to theoretically lift half my ass, let alone the Eldridge. There is no way in hell this thing will take off. Using some alien technology and my super factory, I built a fusion reactor that can produce up to 1.21 gigawatts. Will that be enough to lift your whole ass? Except with that, maybe. Well, what are you all standing around for? We have to do the impossible, fight an alien armada, and it sure as hell be done before the last call at the pub. Betty gathered up any survivors with useful skills to help assist O'Connor to gain USS Elbridge airborne. The grizzled engineer dressed the ragtag group in his usual kind and thoughtful demeanor. Remember, this is my ship. You're all just stowaways until you prove yourself useful. So either get to work or I'll toss you off myself. Now get those cables hooked up tight or you'll light us up like a Christmas tree. While this was happening, Admiral Fairweather was helping set up a counterattack. All he needed was to make one phone call to the most secure location in the country. The President's Underground Bunker. And current headquarters of the military's best strategists, sadly, they could not provide the good news that the President wanted to hear. Do we have anything that can effectively fight these things without losing ten of our men for every one of theirs? The heads of the military were saved from embarrassment by the Secretary interrupting the conference. Yes? Sir, there, there's, um, there's a call for you. Apparently there's, uh, there's a new development. Give me the phone! Ho, ho, ho. Yes, Admiral! Yes, I know about the Philadelphia Experiment. It's not done, is it? Civilian scientists are working on it. With a giant robot woman? Admiral, have you been smoking the Mary Jane? If she can do what you say she can, then you have all my full support. What did you say she was called? Thank you. You and your men will restore the people's hopes. Godspeed and good luck. Where's my press secretary? I need to address the people now. Will the USS Selbridge fly? Will Mechabetti restore hope to the people? Will this affect President Van Dyme's chance for re-election? Tune in after the break to find out.
folks, to the adventures of Mecca Betty! Brought to you by Zirkoblat, the finest supplier of international radio transmitters. If it's not Zirkoblat, it's not piercing the fabric of space and time. When we last left our heroes, they were working with engineer O'Connor to get the USS Elbridge airborne. The ship was part of an experiment to harness a newly discovered exotic material that was given a proper charge would be repelled by the Earth's magnetic field, allowing it to float in the same way it currently floats on water. The crew had already begun to tear apart the armors for parts, Betty had to resist the urge to stop them and decide to go into the vacant engine room to get to work. Betty, using her super strength and precision laser cut to rebuild the engine room to accommodate the massive fusion furnace being built piece by piece. Scientists and inventors from the convention worked around the clock to install and understand each part of the furnace. What they lacked in time, they made up in sheer manpower. Each engineer from the Eldridge crew became the leader of a 20 or more civilians forming inopportune assembly lines around the super factory which pumped out parts at a lightning pace. Kenneth worked alongside Betty, knowing his friend enjoyed a good chat while building. This reminds me of those stories your mom used to tell us about working at the aircraft factory during the war. Everyone doing whatever they can to help. It's a shame it takes a disaster or a war to see people work together like this. Kenneth put his hand on Betty's shoulder, surprised on how warm the metal was. Betty, I'm sorry. What for? It's my fault. It's my fault that you're in that thing. Betty stopped welding and turned to her friend and gently placed her massive hat on his shoulder. Kenny, I'm fine. And I'm alive thanks to you. Besides, you know me. If I ever thought of something like this, I probably would have just done it to see if I could. Remember when we were kids and they tried to add jets to my mom's paraglider plane after listening to Buck Rogers? Ugh. <laughs> Once I think something is possible, then I just have to try and do it. <laughs> yeah, and you just had to test that thing out when our Girl Scout troop was camping out at Mount Rogers. Betty, no offense, but something that can be snuck around in two hiking packs is not meant to fly, let alone try and break the sound barrier. <laughs> at least the parachutes worked. Yeah, thanks for putting my real name on it. Aw, it was no problem, Kenny. Well, it was kind difficult embroidering Kenneth in five-foot-tall letters, <laughs> but it was worth it. The look on your face <laughs> was priceless. What? The one where I was screaming in terror? Or the one where I was laughing like a maniac when we hit the ground? <laughs> no. The one where the girls started calling you Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't stop smiling the rest of the trip. Betty? All the excitement and work probably caught up to Betty. Despite her mechanical muscles, her mind and body still needed to rest, and she fell asleep, resting against the hull of the ship. The light snores echoed from her electronic voice box. Kenneth laid his head on her forearm. I guess we could both rest our eyes for a bit. <sighs> Good night, Betty. <sighs> Good night, Kenny. Will Mecca Betty and Kenneth be able to enjoy their nap? Will the USS Elbridge be up and running in time to make a difference? Will there be enough coffee for the crew to stay awake? Find out! After... Blubberg.
Before the break, our heroes were taking a nap. The fusion furnace was nearing completion when the ship rocks during our duo awake. They raced up to the deck when they spotted a squadron of alien ships bombing the docks. Fishing boats and Navy support ships were blown to smithereens! The Eldridge anti-aircraft guns began firing 50 caliber cases that hit the deck and burped. Deck hands swept them out of the way while others stood to replace the ammo boxes as needed. The giant rounds found their marks, but the dense metal of the saucers could take a beating, taking dozens of hits before finally exploding. The saucers scattered from the tight formation when one of them burst. Need a reload! Reload ready! And with that, Barclay's gun rejoined the fight, the massive gun swiveling, firing ahead of the fast-moving saucers, forcing them to fly right into his fire. Betty, we need a hand here. <laughs> sure thing. Betty's foot anchored latched onto the deck, stabilizing her as she fired. She couldn't risk running out of power with her chest cannon, so she decided to use her precision lasers. Three beams caught a saucer. Lasers as hot as the surface of the sun came from the emitters on her fist, with a third coming from her eye, gouging deep holes into the ship's armor. With that and a few well-placed grounds from Barclay's deck gun caused the ship to turn into a ball of fire. Betty sliced through dozens of enemy aircraft's armor, allowing the deck guns to mow them down in droves. Suddenly the ship rocked again, but this time it was under the ship's own power! Captain, the furnace is working. We're powering up now. Prepare for liftoff. Kenneth grabbed onto Betty's leg as the ship began to rise. The ship swayed back and forth, signaling until the gyroscope stabilized it. The fusion furnace took the massive explosion force of hydrogen atoms forced together into helium and fueled 1.21 gigawatts directly into the mysterious gem-encrusted chamber. The Eldridge pushed against its earthly tethers as it rose, its guns never stopping for more than a second to wipe out the last of the alien squadrons. Cheers echoed across the ship. It worked! With the USS Elderbridge Airborne, things are certainly looking up for our heroes. Will they continue defeating the aliens, or will one ship and a mechanized firecracker of a dame not be enough? Will President Van Dyme's upcoming speech give hope to the people, or will it be a bunch of hot air? Find out next time on the adventures of Mecha Betty!